Hello and welcome to another episode of Butterfly Kisses, A Journey of Spiritual Transformation. I am Amy Gray Cunningham, your host, and I am here today with Stacy Plant. She is the mother or momcologist of a wonderful son. His name is Ryan Licht, and he is a childhood survivor or rather thriver of childhood cancer. And we are here today to talk about her story and his story and what it was like growing up with childhood cancer and what that means. So Stacy, can you tell us a bit about your story? We'd love to hear. Amy, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share about childhood cancer and, and spirituality and basically Ryan's journey and my journey. Ryan now is a soon to be 20 year old wow. and our journey from then to now is phenomenal. Ryan was diagnosed with cancer at nine months of age. He was a typical, normal, healthy baby, my first child. So didn't really have a lot of experience being a parent yet. You know, we were on that together. Um, and his father and I noticed he was getting quite large. Everyone was like, oh, well, that's a sign of a healthy baby boy. It's fine. But what actually was happening, unbeknownst to us, is he had an aggressive form of cancer. It's an extremely rare. It's called hepatoblastoma. It wow. uh, strikes one in a million children. One in a million. One million. Wow. So, sorry, <clears throat> I get a little uh, emotional. When typically, when children are diagnosed um, with hepatoblastoma, it's already very aggressive. At nine months, he was already stage four. It had progressed from his liver to his lungs. And typically children are very sick by the time they're, it's discovered. And thankfully we're getting higher survival rates. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty significant diagnosis. And to suddenly have a, you know, be on a trajectory of healthy baby, you know, we all have our hopes and dreams for our kids to be suddenly yanked from that and put on a different path of, your child has a 10% chance of survival really, you know, was, was a devastating diagnosis and, and one that really, really transformed who I am. I feel actually, I would never wish an illness on anyone, especially a child, but I will tell you that it has been a gift in the end to us, a, a tremendous gift to us. One sign that, that was really strong for me, Ryan was treated at two hospitals. One is Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer center in New York city. Mm -hmm. And at that time, the childhood cancer wing faced a school. And every day I would sit by the window, watching the children play and praying, praying that would I get to see my son too be out there. So that was to me, like my first sign of strength that every day I, I was watching children. And at first I thought of it as torture, you know, here I'm sitting with my sick baby being told he might not survive and watching healthy children play. But in the end, it actually, for me, was, was a sign of hope and strength. That, that was my first uh, inclination. And, and when you get the diagnosis, especially of cancer, and then especially of your child, everyone wants to swoop in and help. And the, the thing that I found very disturbing was people would tell me that Ryan was chosen for a reason to have this, or I was chosen to have this. There was a reason and why we were given this diagnosis. And, and I was very angry. I was like, how, how can you say that a baby getting cancer with a 
chance, basically no chance of survival is a gift. I, I don't, I was so floored by that. I, I, mm-hmm. and, and I actually picked myself up uh, by my bootstraps and, and people were like, you know, you, we, we, uh, you have to get to a um, parent support group. You're going to need a lot of support. You're going to, you know, as if he was already dead, really, uh-huh. as, if, as if the, the diagnosis was, was it. As I said, I pulled myself up by, by my bootstraps and I said, no, life is for the living. And Ryan is a baby and we are going to treat him like a developing child. And he is going to enjoy every minute and so are we. And that I think was the gift that, that life is for the living and what meaning can we find from, from his diagnosis. Ryan was treated very aggressively. The, the treatment for hepatoblastoma is very aggressive. And one of the side effects from chemotherapy is losing your hearing. So Ryan has a moderate to severe high frequency hearing loss. And you typically do rounds or cycles of chemotherapy to get the liver tumor to shrink. Then they resect it. You do more chemo and then you hope for the best. That, that was the pretty standard protocol. Thankfully, now there's a few more. But childhood cancer, there's not a lot of research in childhood cancer, there, especially at that time, which doesn't feel like it was some ancient age, but in the early 2000s, it was really devoid of, of support, right? So we did that treatment and had a lot of challenges along the way. One thing that really was very helpful and I didn't know this until years later, is that my friends and my community and extended community and people who didn't even know us had a prayer circle for Ryan. And I was unfamiliar with that because uh, that's not a part of our faith, but I firmly believe that everyone bringing that light and love to us continued to give me that strength to persevere in front of such a a hideous diagnosis and, and really dramatic diagnosis. It's hard to maintain optimism when all the news is so negative. And that's where I really credit my father. My father was an eternal optimist and always told me to do my best. And so here he was actually present when we received the diagnosis. And he was the one who said, one of the ones who said, you know, we're, we're going to need a lot of support. You're, you're going to need to, to really get support. And I was like, nope, we're, we're in this together. And he was my rock. He passed away a year ago from Parkinson's, complications from Parkinson's. But in, in that idea of strength and where one gets strength and optimism, I definitely feel that things like that prayer circle brought that strength to us, that energy. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it, it was a spiritual energy. We weren't present. We didn't even know about it. But yet at the same time, we were able to look at this with hope with hope while, while we were continuing to receive, you know, very traumatic and dramatic uh, news about Ryan. Ryan thankfully continued to defy the odds and uh, made through his treatment and began to develop. And the next lesson I feel like we learned was resiliency and that when life throws you lemons, right, <laughs> you're going to make lemonade. So, Ryan here has this hearing loss and people wanted to treat him as stereotypically he's a deaf 
child. So therefore, don't you teach him sign language? Doesn't he need to be around other students who are deaf? And I said, once again, life is for the living. He is a part of us. And let's see. And those things are wonderful. I, I don't want to take away from I'm actually a speech and language therapist. So I support all sorts of learners and all sorts of students. And there's a wonderful thing about learning sign language, but he doesn't need that level of care. He was able to wear hearing aids and speak and learn and continue to thrive and uh, became an honor student in high school wow. and graduated uh, during the pandemic. And that's where I feel his story really takes a dramatic turn because as we all know, we all suffered loss once March hit last year. I worked for a school, everything shut down, right? We went into hiding and Ryan decided that instead of the end of his senior year being locked in his room, he was going to start a podcast himself. Good for him. I, it was amazing to me. And so he was, he loves football, obsessed, right, with football. And he missed talking about football with his friends. So he basically got together with a friend and they started talking football. And that led to them starting to reach out through Instagram to different players and then bringing the players on to talk to them. And at this time, now it's been just a little bit over a year, they've had over 100 episodes. I think they're close to 120. Wow. They've had on guests. It's amazing. It's incredible. <laughs> they've had on high school, college, and NFL players and people involved in the uh, NFL community. They've had some coaches. They've had some sportscasters on. Uh, recently, they had David Akers, who's a former kicker for the uh, Eagles. On, they've um, had Otis Grisby, they've had Hugh Jackman, they've just, uh, and I really take pleasure actually in the high school and college players that come on and their stories and their journey. He just had seven guys that he interviewed become uh, drafted by the NFL. So wow. he got to meet young guys who are now continuing to live their dream. And Ryan, so to me, Ryan took something that was so hideous for all of us and so dramatic for all of us. We had just suffered the loss of my father, his grandfather. We were separated from everyone. We were fearful because of his history, what could happen with COVID and turned around and, and came from a sense of, of strength. So it's, it's really been an amazing journey for him and for us. Has he had any issues or complications with COVID at all, or has he had to do anything? That was a, a big concern of mine. So when I reached out to his medical team, they said that he was in no greater danger than any of us in terms of if he were to contract COVID. Of course, we were all fearful and no one wants to experience it. My mother lives in assisted living. We had gone through her contracting and surviving it, we were hopeful. And he has done fine. And thankfully, we're all uh, vaccinated at this point. So we feel like we can breathe a little bit easier. But thankfully, he is at that point, that is nothing that is not a greater risk for him. Good. Yeah, COVID last year really threw a lot of everybody for a loop. And now I think with the with the vaccine, hopefully things will start getting back to normal. I know for a lot of kids having to go to school at home and learning online, it was a very difficult transition. I know for my niece, it was very difficult. 
my uh, nephews seem to take it very well, but my niece had a hard time with it. And my husband and I both said we were very grateful we didn't have children in, at school, <laughs> at school age this, this time around. So it's so interesting because I see it from both sides. I have, I still have a, a younger son who is uh, in high school, who is also been on remote and in person. And I work for a public school district. So mm-hmm. I've been going in person since uh, the fall. It certainly has been difficult for everyone. And especially because I work with students with special needs um, and learning disabilities, et cetera. I've seen some real strength in some of the new things we've taken on and remote instruction. And of course, we've seen a lot of challenges as well. I don't look at it as, le- as learning loss because I feel that we all are in this together. So it's not children lost a year. We all changed our trajectory and now we are in a new place and we need to move from that place instead of looking at loss. And I think that Ryan's diagnosis really brought me that thought that we pivot and we move and that we might expect one thing and anticipate and predict and hope, but each opportunity we have pulls us into the next spot of our own lives and our own journey. And since the world went through this shift, the world is now moving in a different trajectory. Who knows, maybe education is gonna look very different as we go forward in the way we learn. It very well could be. I mean, we're raising a completely different generation of children as well, especially from the time that we were probably even in school. Totally different. Let me ask you this question. When you received the diagnosis that Ryan had cancer, what did that do for you and your relationship with God? Were were you angry? Were you resentful? Were you, what, what was that like for you as a mother? So religiously, um, I was a person who practiced holidays and, um, you know, had, had our own spiritual structure. Um, so religion was there and I consider religion our structure and we had a, a congregation that we were a part of. So I felt like I had started already with almost like a trampoline or, you know, a push. There was, there was something underneath me when I received the diagnosis I think I felt rejected by God. I think that was my, my first thought was really that I was almost uh, pushed out because I see God as love and light. And I was just shocked that suddenly that love and light, where, where was that? How, how, how could a God, my God, bring an illness to, to a baby, right? An innocent. And I don't believe people get sick because they do good or bad, but when you're sitting there holding your baby, that, that that's the only thing that could go through my mind. So there's a book that really guided me and it's, it's by Harold Kushner and it's called, I think it's called why bad things happen to good people. Yep. I've read that one. And actually, or is it called when bad things happen to good people? Everyone thinks it's why, but it's when, because when. everyone experiences bad. The, the thing that stood out the most in that book to me uh, in his message was God was crying to, and that God's biggest gift was chaos and free will. And that allows us to find God and allows us to find those and make those choices. And that there was nothing but God crying to. And once I came to that point, I felt, I I just, I could even feel it now. I just felt that strength behind me and with me. So I went from feeling abandoned to really feeling whole and loved. That's tremendous. 
That is tremendous. What do you think your soul's purpose was going through this? Do you think that your soul had a purpose to go through this or what lessons could you derive from it? I definitely, as a person, am more in the caretaker or giving uh, mode. I've uh, chosen a profession where I take care of and help others. Uh, mother, certainly that role is taking care of and, and helping. And I think that part of my soul needed to learn how to receive. I'm not very, I'm still, I still struggle with that. How to receive, how to hear, how to stop, how to listen and receive. You and I were talking uh, in the uh, about just right. Uh, I love that story about uh, the pennies and your grandmother. It's very hard for me to look and see signs in my life, but I definitely learned that experience taught me to have faith and trust that I can be vulnerable and still be strong. And I can be a receiver of help and support and still be who I am. So my, I, I, it's still a struggle for me. I, I am definitely still a giver more than a receiver. But when I receive, it's I'm giving someone else the opportunity to give that gift. And that is definitely a message I, I needed to hear. There is a phenomenal group called High Lifeline, C-H-A-I, Lifeline. High means life. And they support families of children uh, with cancer, primarily in the Jewish faith. And I learned, uh, they would call me and they would say, uh, we have a meal. We know that you're going to be in the hospital for the weekend. We have meals we want to drop off at the hospital to you. And I'd be like, no, 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 no. I'm fine. Fine. You know, and Finally, my caseworker, my, my person said to me, you know, this is, you're doing us a favor. You are, you are helping us by doing this. Let us give that gift to us. And that's really what I needed to hear that people helping or connecting with you is a gift to you. Not always you, the one giving is the gift. So that, that was really important for me. That is a valuable lesson to learn because sometimes it's so hard to receive, especially when you're when you're a giver. And I know for myself as well, mm -hmm. I do the same thing. I'm a I'm a giver. I'm a mother, and 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 I'm a healer, and I I want to give and I want to give, and it's sometimes very hard to receive. And that's a huge lesson to learn that in order to to heal completely and to be whole, you have to have both the giving and the receiving. And that's part of the joy and the benefit, mm -hmm. blessings and the abundance that comes from, you know, as you put it, the life is for the living. And that's all about experiencing our divinity through our humanity is both in giving and receiving. So that's a huge lesson. I think. You had said something in a, in a prior uh, podcast about, you know, when one dies and, and what happens to, to our bodies and um, that's something that's very strong in, in my faith that we go back to what we came from. We are part of the world. Our bodies are, are just a part of that, but our energy, our soul, who we are continues to, to move on and forward. And so I do feel and see that in my son as well. I see and feel energy in our lives. I had wonderful uh, grandparents who each brought 
phenomenal uh, lessons, aspects, love to, to me. And in each moment, there would be times where I would indescribably feel that presence. I don't think I necessarily felt a full person present, mm -hmm. but I definitely felt that like almost like a, a thought, it, like an aura or a, a energy, I guess is the best way to put it that would would come present and and give me guidance and strength my grandfather uh was one of uh quite a few children who grew up in what's known as a, a tenement house uh, in new york and um came really from the ground up uh, very both both uh him and his, his whole family is just uh, you lived in basically a couple of rooms right mm -hmm he had such tenacity and strength <laughs> and I felt that a lot in my journey. I felt him a lot. That's awesome. I know, especially when we're going through tough times or even good times, even our ancestors and those who have passed on, they're here supporting us in whatever way we can feel them. And if we allow that feeling to come through, we can, it, it can be very beneficial and a I can feel my grandmother many times in many different places and many ways. And it's such a blessing for me to be able to feel her. Even my father, I, I feel him come through sometimes and it's very special. Ah, sometimes I get teared up when I think about it because growing up a lot of times he wasn't always there. Mm. And I think it was, he was part of his life lesson where his life journey was to teach me love and, mm. and unconditional love because I had to love him just for who he is. And now I get to experience him on a completely different level, which is amazing and so special. And I, th that probably sounds completely weird, <laughs> but for me, I, I, I can experience him on a completely different level and I, I cherish that. I cherish that uh, that relationship now. How is Ryan doing now? Not to change subjects, but how is Ryan doing now <laughs> with his diagnosis? And I mean, is he completely cancer-free or is there still a worry or how does... How well, I think as a mom, it will always be a worry <laughs> and, and it will always be my weight to carry. I would say that Ryan's diagnosis and prognosis is very strong. They consider him no evidence of disease, right, or NED. We don't really use remission. It's either you are or you're not. So his cancer, we are expecting that he will continue to live a long and healthy life. He goes for yearly checks at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia absolutely fantastic place. And I'm actually having some anxiety, which they know because Ryan soon will not be considered a, a child anymore. He, he <laughs> will be a 21 and adult and having to leave children's hospital <laughs> is, is going to be going to be a, quite a transition for us because we've been there for since he was nine months. But Ryan uh, enjoys good health. He goes through typical things like anyone else just fine. When you meet Ryan, you would not even expect that he has this as part of, of his journey. 
he presents as a typical college student at this point. And we are blessed to go through typical college things together and raising him. So but the my long answer is that to, to that question is that he is doing very well and we expect him to continue to do so. They actually at our last visit did not do the screenings for his cancer. He actually had almost like a regular physical. That's how well they feel he's doing. That is amazing, especially when he was given what a 10% chance of living when he was diagnosed at nine months of age. And now he's going to be 21. Yeah. Yes, yes. I remember meeting some, some oncologists and, and professionals along the way and, and everyone brings their expertise. And, you know, they looked at Ryan's case, looked at what they knew as the prognosis and said, well, we'll try, you know, 10% chance and we'll try. And that was not good enough for me. Trying was not, it was, you know, we're, we're going to dive in and, and really work to, to help and, and save his life. We, we needed people who could really save him. We had to work very hard to create a team that was willing to not put the, well, we'll try philosophy on it, but we are treating him. I didn't want that negative thought process. I was well aware of that my child was dying in front of me. I was well aware of that. I, I didn't need reminders of, well, we'll try. So we ended up not being covered by insurance at Memorial Sloan Kettering at the time. And that's what led us to Children's Hospital in Philadelphia, because that's where we were covered. And between the two hospitals, we were able to uh, create a plan as, um, and this is where I feel intervention really, and spirituality really helped us. We, the surgeon at Memorial Sloan Kettering, his name is Dr. LaQuaglia. He is uh, one of the only surgeons that really has touched uh, hepatoblastoma, you need to be able to do solid, clear margins. You leave one cancer cell or, and you have one shot really of getting this tumor out. It's a solid tumor. Many children are blessed and, and get uh, plants if they're unable to resect that tumor. Mm -hmm. uh, but Dr. LaQuaglia really wanted to aim to get it. But again, we weren't covered. So our pediatrician recommended that we write to our congressman uh, at the moment that at that time it was representative Chris Smith asked for his guidance and help that, you know, maybe he can help with some of the insurance regulations. And we were just about to appeal to our insurance company with a, with a, all our medical information, like literally show up in front of a medical board. When I got a call from the insurance company saying that we were being put into a catastrophic illness fund and would be covered for surgery at Memorial. And I, I, that had to be some kind of spiritual intervention there. Absolutely had to. There, there was way too many obstacles happening that we were guided to the, the right people at the right time to get the right help for Ryan. Dr. LaQuaglia uh, did over eight hours of surgery. He was able to resect the tumor and get sometimes only up to one to three millimeter clear margins. And when he came down to see us, I, I remember so clearly, I, I you know, what, what do you say to a man that, that you feel is, has saved your son's life? Yeah. Um, and I, I was quite, quite speechless. And I, I just said to him, you are a gift and I can't thank you enough. And, and I know uh, people listening aren't going to be able to see this, but he, but he took his finger and he just said no words and just pointed up. 
Wow. And that moment, just how humble he was, that he felt so blessed and get, that he had been given this gift by God and that he gave credit, you know, mm-hmm. to, to not himself. He was so humble and he still is. He's, he's an amazing, amazing uh, world renowned surgeon. And it's, it's a pleasure to, to have been able to have him as our, as our doctor. And he, he gave us our son. He, he gave Ryan his life. And in turn, Dr. Quaglia also knows that it's God that, that did and supported us as well. That is an amazing testimony. I was going to ask you a question of what do you contribute to his uh, recovery? And I think you just answered it without me even asking. <laughs> so I was going to say that I, I really uh, attribute every little piece, our, our whole community, it, people, the person who, while Ryan was sick, came over and did our flower beds, that, that wasn't going to save Ryan's life, but, but it brought us joy. It, it supported us in other ways. People supported us in ways that didn't have to be directly involved with medical treatment. And all of those little components make planting flowers in my garden bed. I would come home and I could smile. That, that meant the world to me. That little gesture meant the world to me. I, I really attribute Ryan's uh, recovery and, and his strength and his success in the, the community that we continue to encounter. That is a really good point because a lot of times people just feel powerless and we don't know how we can help, especially when someone is going through something so traumatic as their son having cancer or their loved ones you know, in a tragic car accident or whatever the situation is and people just don't know what to say or how to respond or what to do. And you brought up a good point, just doing something that brings them joy can sometimes be the biggest Mm -hmm. gift that we can give, whether it's, you know, dropping off a casserole or, or uh, putting flowers in a flower bed or sending a card or anything that can help just bring joy. And we went through this at a, at a time where, uh, you know, the internet was just really kicking up. We were on listservs. I met uh, a group of people uh, throughout the United States because, again, uh, Memorial Sloan Kettering only saw three kids a year with Ryan's diagnosis. And they're an international, wow. you know, world-renowned hospital. To find other people was so powerful to me. One person actually, um, and this if. If you don't believe have some spirituality, I, I wonder if the story will will make one think. So, one of the families that I met happens to live in Harrisonburg, which is where JMU is located. Mm-hmm. So Ryan is at JMU, and I got to meet Shannon in person for the first time this year because Ryan is there, and I firmly believe there is a reason why Ryan has been led to JMU. And that I got to connect with someone who I supported and supported me, but we never met face-to-face until now. That's wild. Again, and we, it's amazing. Remember how rare this is. This is a one in a million thing. You know, you're not, you're not going to find anyone in your community who thankfully has this, you know. Wow. So 
to to be led to a place and and have and Ryan will probably just laugh at me and roll his eyes, but I I really firmly believe that that ended up there for a variety of reasons. Of course, a phenomenal business school, which is why he's there. Division one school, he has to have the football. Football is is definitely the leader. And then I get a benefit, which is I was led there too. So I can connect with someone who's been in my life for almost 20 years and never got to meet in person. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I believe that when we are born into this world, we, we get to choose our parents. And I have a feeling Ryan chose you for a purpose. And it was <laughs> of your Oh, I love that. It's beautiful. That's, I was just thinking of it. It just really resonated with me with my parents. My mother's a teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father wanted to be a doctor, ended up um, being in uh, marketing and advertising. And they worked so hard to give me the life I have. And I don't mean financially. Of course, they wanted to see me do well and take care of us. But uh, one thing that my parents always said is they wanted me to be Mm self-sufficient and not have to depend on people because I think they saw that there was so much to give in the world. Both of them, they're such givers. My mother would meet you and if she heard that your son was into art, the next day you'd have a pack of crayons and an, a sketch pad at your house. She just <laughs> constantly was connecting with people and wanting to give. And I wonder with, with what you're saying, if my soul found my parents for that reason. Oh yeah. I, 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 I love believe that. I completely believe that. And Ryan picked you for, for a reason. And I'm very grateful that he did because we get to share in that today. So tell me, what is Ryan studying at school? So uh, Ryan is in the School of Business and he is studying uh, marketing. I think he's going to end up leaning more towards sports marketing. He has um, an internship this summer with a sports agency and he's going to be doing a lot of the social media components to uh, what they do. They run a summer camp for kids and NFL players come. To, to that camp, Ryan's looking forward to being a big part of that. He did do, gosh, I think business was in his blood, which is very foreign to me. Again, I come from more of an educator background. At 12, he started wanting to sell things on eBay. He and his stepdad found a pair of like Air Jordans that were brand new sitting outside like a dumpster by our house. I think they were wanting someone to take them and Ryan was the one to take them. <laughs> Took, I mean, they were really like brand spanking new. It was shocking. And he sold them on eBay. And, and I think that that was, again, another way of showing Ryan where his talents were. Um, and he's always been very drawn to, to business. What is his, uh, who is his favorite foot or NFL team? I'm afraid to ask this question. Oh, he's a New York Giants. We're, we're, we're Giants fans. Okay, good. <laughs> Good, good, good. I thought you were going to say the Patriots, and I was going to be like, oh, no. <laughs> the Giants I can deal with. No. I like the Giants. I like the Giants. All right. The Giants are good. Yeah. But I'm, I'm a Carolina girl. I'm a Carolina girl, so. I'm so you're diehard. a Panther fan. Oh, yeah. Diehard Panther fan, although. <laughs> Cam is now up at the Patriots right now, so, you know. But, oh. Yeah. 
Ryan played a lot of flag football. He wasn't um, able to play contact sports. That's, that is sadly one of the side effects of, of his treatment. He can be, as the doctor said, he can run like the wind. He just can't do anything that would involve weight bearing. And I thought that was so cruel for a kid who ended up falling in love with football uh. that he really couldn't play football. Um, but we found flag football. And that also gave him a great opportunity to become a football player and really get into the world of football. It's, I, you know, I, I am a sports fan, but I'm not extraordinarily knowledgeable. But what I do for Ryan is I support his podcast through being kind of a content creator. I do a lot of the fact checking uh, for his guests, a lot of the Twitter and, and some other promotional things for him. So I, I've, enjoy, I've, I've learned from Ryan and I enjoy being a part of it. Ryan has continued with the podcast even while he's been at school. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it was, he had so much uh, content that he would have to release uh, quite a few episodes in a week. Like you might have two or three episodes that needed to air because these episodes are also helping uh, high school and college students get to their next kind of spot in life. So you don't want a, a kiddo to come on who is looking to be scouted and not have their uh, interview aired. So what's the name of his he's, he's very busy when it comes to that. It's called Quarantine Football with Nate and Ryan, but the and is an N because that's what teenagers do. So <laughs> it's the Quarantine Football Podcast with Nate and Ryan. Uh, Nate is one of his close friends from high school. Um, he will also have some guests on there. We tend to call it the Quarantine Football Podcast, but officially it has Nate and Ryan in, in the title. He is on Spotify. You, you can find him on Apple. We do have a pod page as well. We're always looking for people who want to tell their story in sports. And we love to, you know, talk to high school kids, college kids, professionals, of course. But we, you know, if, if a student is, enjoying their football career, but it's not going to be their lifelong career. We wouldn't want them to shy away. We'd love to have them on and just talk about what their experiences have been like in the football world. Well, if anyone is out there and they want to talk football, we know where to go. I'm going to have to listen to that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I have uh, one question that I want to ask, and I've been asking all my guests this, and if you've listened to my podcast, you probably know, but if you had an opportunity to spend one hour talking to someone either dead or alive, who would it be and why? I definitely would want to speak with my father again. He, he was a quiet soul and actually his epitaph that we, we have on his monument says gentleness and kindness were his strengths. I would want to speak speak with him about all the things that I feel live in me because of him and that he, the gifts that he gave me by just who he was and what he wanted for me and to share the, the beauty of, of where uh, Ryan's life and, and my other son, Jason, uh, their lives are going. I definitely would. I, I'm sorry, I lost him uh, too soon in last year, and it's it's very, uh, very, very hard for me. But definitely my dad. Completely. Yeah, uh, as I mentioned before, he passed from Parkinson's, and he was a man who took pride and pleasure in the success 
of his family. Family was was the most important thing to him and his friends. Uh, I feel that he he was uh, taken too soon, definitely too soon by a, by a disease that is very difficult to bear. Well, he is, I'm sure, with you every moment of the day too. And just loving on you. I can just, I can see. So, Is there anything else you would like to tell our audience? Anything that you think that they should know or about Ryan or about your journey? I, I definitely think that when one is faced with something that feels so hopeless, that there's always hope. And, and that might seem cliche to say, mm -hmm. but just like I was telling the story about someone who planted flowers in my yard to bring me joy, there, there was always hope in the hopeless. And, and that um, out of something as horrible as the pandemic that we've been suffering, everyone talks a lot. And, and I think everyone should give themselves the opportunity to grieve all the things that we've lost, you know, graduations, uh, time with each other. I've, I've not been able to spend the kind of time with my mother who's in assisted living uh, that I would want to. But there's something that's, that comes out of that hopelessness. And for Ryan, it's been resiliency. And so that's why I always say out of hopelessness, there, there is a thread of a, a good that, that one can find. Very wise words. I love it. Well, thank you, Stacy, for joining us today. I appreciate you coming on the Butterfly Kisses podcast and sharing your story. It has been a pleasure and I've received so much inspiration from hearing your story and that of Ryan's and I'm sure my audience has as well. And I just wanna say thank you. Thank you, Amy, it was a pleasure. Yes. Hopefully everybody will catch Ryan's podcast again. Tell us what the name of it is again. It's the Quarantine Football Podcast with Nate and Ryan. All right. Well, thank you, Stacy. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Butterfly Kisses, a journey of spiritual transformation. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe by hitting the subscribe button. This way you won't miss it when a new episode is released. Also join me on the Facebook page at Butterfly Kisses Podcast. Here we can continue the conversations we've been discussing on these podcasts, and you can also ask questions of our guests as well. Also, if you're interested in learning more about Akashic Record readings, you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with me on the Facebook page, or you can do so by visiting my website at amygraycunningham.com. Again, thank you, and remember, always spread your gorgeous wings, my friend, and fly. Until next time, see ya.